Hello, and welcome to the Casual Author Podcast. I'm Dan, host and independent author of sci-fi and fantasy books, father of five, full-time worker, homesteader, and a man of many other responsibilities. I'm here to talk to you about what it's like to be an author, how we can prioritize and be productive, and how we can be encouraged to know that despite our busyness, we can still make the best of our authoring. To learn more about me, my books, or access the podcast show notes, head to dankenner.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Hello, it's Dan again here, the host of The Casual Author. Excited to be here again with you today. It is Tuesday, June 7th, 2022, as I'm recording this. And this is episode 34 of the podcast, uh, which once again, it's crazy how fast time goes. I just, I can't, every day I'm like, wow, it's already June? What, what happened at the beginning of this year? Today, I'm talking with Natalie Camerata about making author connections, you know, making friends as authors. This is something that's super essential, especially as an indie author. I mean, even, even traditionally published authors, it is in their best interest to make connections with authors who write, you say, even in or out of their genre, just making connections of people who understand, you know, what kind of things you're going through. They can answer questions. It's super key, but particularly for indie authors. So stick around for that. I think you'll really enjoy the interview. Uh, just some minor updates. I mean, not a lot has really changed since I last talked on the podcast. Uh, but like in publishing news, I'm still, I mentioned last week, uh, getting the AI generated audiobooks up for sale on my website. So uh, at first, I was like, oh, I'll just generate them and recognize that this is AI, it's not going to be perfect. So it's totally fine if there are mistakes, because people recognize, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to charge a lot of money for this, it'll just be for those people that have been waiting to read my books, because I don't have an audiobook. So it'll be relatively inexpensive. But still, I started listening through it. And it's actually pretty good. I'm really, really impressed with this British male accent that I've chosen. Apparently, his name is Alistair. I don't know if this is a real person's voice or not. Regardless, the British accent sounds quite nice in a wagon. However, there are just minor things that kind of caught me off guard. So it doesn't always get the pronunciation of some words, the context of the sentence correct. So the word bow, for example, as in like bow and arrow type bow, it will sometimes pronounce it as bow, you know, as like they bowed to their friends or something along those lines. So um, it's not a huge deal. I mean, especially with the British accent, it just kind of slides through. But if someone's listening and it confuses them because of the context of the word, I don't want that to be a problem. So I'm listening through it. And you can actually manufacture the text of the, the audiobook and essentially force it to pronounce a word a certain way. So for example, with bow, if I really wanted to pronounce it bow, I, I spell it B-O-U, which of course is wrong, right? But I'm not changing the ebook, I'm just changing the audiobook, so it forces it to read it as bow rather than bow. Um, things like that, and I noticed it pronounces the, the, it actually tries to voice the asterisks, you know, like a page break, not even like a page break, just like a scene break or something, you put the triple asterisk saying, you know, switching to a new part of the scene or whatnot. It, it makes this really terrifying breathy noise which completely caught me off guard i was listening to while i was mowing the lawn you know just trying to like pay attention to it. i'm really enjoying the story again it's, it's cool to listen to it in audiobook format 
but it made this really horrifying breathy noise and for a second i forgot that i had my noise canceling headphones in and that there was no one around me because it sounded like there was a creepy person standing behind me breathing in my ear and i jumped and i was like what was that noise it took a minute for my brain to realize oh that was inside the audiobook so yeah i had to go through and remove all of those asterisks i mean it doesn't matter right because um from like an audio perspective there's really no cues to say when the page breaks and whatnot um so once i'm going through i'm going through that and before i really put them up i want to make sure that i've got at least most of the errors that does require me to listen to all of it so i was hoping to have them up for sale this week probably not going to happen it is 13 hours of audio and i don't necessarily have 13 hours very you know it, it takes a while to find that time so i will get them up at some point but know that they are coming. It does kind of bring to light some things about my writing. That's not negative things, but I it just I'm realizing more where dialogue tags make a lot more sense in audio format. Because when you're reading, it becomes relatively clear based on the formatting, hey, such and such performed such action, and it's relatively clear that they're saying the next line, and editors agree, yeah, that's fine. Uh, but in audio format, I'm realizing, oh, because... Because the narrator's AI generated, it can't change the voices. So, you know, in audiobooks, it's relatively easy to cue who or what character is speaking because you can change your voice just slightly to indicate, hey, main character, side character, whatnot. Well, it's an AI generated tool. So it, his voice is going to be the same for all characters. It just makes me realize, okay, in my writing, if I am going to be using AI generated um, voices for for this audiobook, I need to be more aware of my dialogue tag. So it's not it's not terrible. You get pretty you catch up pretty quick in the next couple of lines, but I know that might be off-putting to some people. Regardless, it's AI generated. People don't have to buy it. I'm not going to use this forever. I will be narrating my books at some point. I keep saying that, but I will. I really do want to. Um, I just need to make the time for it. Once I publish this third book, I think then I'm going to lean into making audiobooks a little bit heavier. Um, from a cost perspective, I'm going to have to take a little bit of a pause on writing uh, just because it's it's getting quite expensive, and, and that's fine. I'm fine investing money in it, but at some point, I need to try to make back a little bit so that I so that I have money for the next books. So I might have to take a little bit of a pause on the writing or at least write something with not the intention of publishing it anytime soon, just kind of like having the drafts ready for the time that I, I will have the funds to to pay for the next books. Regardless, I think I'll I'll hit the audiobooks a little bit harder after I finish this third book. So there's that. Um other than that, author business is it's it's relatively slow moving and that's fine. Uh, things have been a little bit busier in my personal life. In um, homesteading news, once again, things are a little bit low key. The chickens, the batch of chickens we got a couple weeks ago are actually growing pretty big. They're pretty fast. So they're kind of a combination meat bird egg layer. So they will get big and hefty, but they should also give us some eggs. So that's, it's kind of fun to watch them grow. We're hoping to get rid of our kittens soon because the kittens are just destructors. They, 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 they're just very energetic. So they'll jump in the hay and there's hay spread everywhere in our shop because that's where we have our hay are piled up. So it's protected from the weather but they just play in it and it just gets everywhere so it's there that's fun they're cute but we need to we need to get rid of them we don't need that many cats we are uh, also hoping to sell our goats here in the next couple weeks they will be eight weeks old the baby goats which is crazy time goes so fast but after that they no longer need their mother's milk which means as we're selling the goats we will need to milk twice a day which we can do like it's not a huge deal which takes a little bit of extra time to go out there and milk them again 
but we will be swimming in milk. So we really need to get ahead of that and decide what we want to do. Um, we're looking into making soap. We're already freeze drying a lot of our milk, which is super helpful. So we've got it in powdered format in these um, quart jars. All we have to do is rehydrate it and suddenly we've got a gallon of milk. So um, it's pretty cool. But um, save for rehydrating and just like drinking it. We've been like making pudding and we've been making yogurt. We need to get back into cheese. My wife just hasn't felt up to cheese. Um for just a little bit of overwhelm, but we think things will calm down once the garden is more in place and we don't need to be doing seedlings and planting and whatnot. So that's the plan. But lots of milk, which which is exciting. And then other than that, yeah, Homestead is relatively just full, standard. We're just do, doing the things that we need to do. Other than that, yeah, we will be putting in a private septic. I know this is probably like, we don't really care. But if you're curious, if you live out in rural places, you cannot connect your water lines and sewage to city resources. So we have our private septic system, which is more complex. I mean, it's, it's good that it's complex because septic, you don't want to mess with that. <laughs> but it's more complex than I expected. And we are having to replace a part of the septic system, which will require them to completely dig up a lot of our yard which is unfortunate. We're going to have to re-landscape it, put in sod. It's going to just destroy everything. But, I mean, we can't really live in the house if we don't have a working septic system. So that has been consuming my mind recently, replacing this septic system, which is broken. So that's fun. Great times living in rural places. I mean, I really appreciate it. I love it out here. I have no complaints about that. There are just a lot more things that I need to be aware of. You know, private systems that I need to keep track of. And septic is one of them. So, um, here in the next week, we will have no grass in a, a pretty large portion of our yard and the kids will just have to stay away because obviously there will be holes and all sorts of crazy things and I'll get to replace all the sprinkler systems. Anyway, it's super complex, but who knows? I may have to postpone the podcast for a little while as I repair some things just so we can keep running the rest of our systems, but I'll, I'll let you know if I end up having to take a pause, but I think that's it for updates. So we can go ahead and shift over to the interview portion of the podcast with Natalie. Natalie Camerata is a YA dystopian author whose debut novel, Falling and Uprising, came out mid-2021. Hey, Natalie, how are you? Doing well, thanks. How are you doing, Dan? Doing doing very well. It's, a, it's the beginning of a week, which can be good or bad. So far, it's panning out to be good. So okay. I appreciate that. But I'm excited to be here with you today. I have actually known, known you, I'm using air quotes, um, from social media for a while, but I, I haven't had the, you know, our schedules didn't align. So I'm really excited to be here today to talk to you about your authoring and your experience. Um, so before we get into that, though, I always love to ask you, the author, how long have you been writing and publishing? I only just started writing in February of 2020, right before the whole world exploded. Mm, yep. <laughs> um, I had just started and then everything shut down and then we were stuck in our houses and everything. And the timing worked out really well because I've been a stay-at-home mom at that point for five years. Okay. And I think if I didn't have something else already going on once everything got shut down and we were stuck in also a new city we had just moved to um, without something else for me to do, I probably would have gone more crazy than I did anyways. <laughs> um, and it worked out really nicely. So I started writing Falling and Uprising, my debut novel, 
February of 2020 and March of 2021, I was querying it and had it in PitMad on Twitter, where you try to chaotically throw your elevator pitch for your book out into a chaos stream of tweets. Mm -hmm. Um, And it got liked by a publisher and uh, yeah, then kind of snowballed really quickly into the book is out and the second one and audiobooks are moving and stuff. So it's been exciting and not a whole lot of time, really, when I think about it, I'm going, oh, it's only been like two and a half years. That's but fast. Yeah. A lot has happened in two and a half years. That's, I mean, that's amazing. I, for some reason, I thought you'd been writing longer than that. I mean, not that it's bad that you started in 2020. I think it's cool. It's exciting to hear someone starting in 2020 and publishing in, what was it, mid-2021, right? Or was it like... Mm-hmm, July of yeah, 21, following up. I was trying to remember out. when I saw that. Um, so you write dystopian books, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. My series that is two-thirds of the way out is Young Adult Dystopian. I love dystopian books. I have your book, coincidentally, and I haven't started it yet <laughs> because of the TBR as, thing, you know. As one does. <laughs> yes, I, it's, it's there. It's books on my shelf is over a different there. thing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I love dystopian books. It's something that I always kind of flip flop back and forth from feeling fantasy and dystopian slash sci fi type books. So just depends. I'm a mood reader. I just take it as it comes. Uh, but you seem to have built like this network of, I'm not talking about social media network. That's part of it, but just like of, I, I want to call them writer colleagues, right? Cause we're not technically colleagues or coworkers. Uh, but in a way we are right. Because we're single, we, we write our own stuff, but you having that network is so important. So I guess what motivated you to try to find and connect with other authors? At first, really. It was, I was very fortunate. I had a friend of a friend who was a literary agent and took some time to talk to me and told me to start getting out there and looking for writer groups and creating the social media and stuff. And I was going, but can I? I don't have a book that's even remotely like in the process of being put out. You know, like I finished the draft. (laughs) Can I really call myself a writer? Am I allowed, allowed to do that? <laughs> exactly. I don't have the shirt or anything. So um, so how can I do this? And she encouraged me to start doing that. Um, and so I found at first it was that I found a bunch of Facebook groups, okay. which I have mixed feelings on. Some of them are great. Some of them are utter insanity. Um, some really big ones, some smaller ones. YA groups and a dystopian group and just general writer groups and things like that. Um, And it's kind of overwhelming because a lot of them have, you know, five figures of members in Mm them. Um, And, but I found a few, one that was just starting out. I actually was one of the first 20 members, I think of moms who write Wow. Um, and now there's 10,000 members. Oh, so wow. That's cool. <laughs> I got in that one at, the, at a good time, right when it started, um, was there for it being formed, which was great. And so I actually feel like I know a lot of people from that one. Um, and the other important one for me was a YA writers group that did have a lot of people, but there's always a few people, I think, in any group that are more active and 
posting a lot. And so I would see more regularly and felt like, okay, these are the people who I know who they are and I recognize them in their books. And we had interacted a little bit. Um, and I got their books because I was curious. So I kept seeing them and seeing these people and then chatting with them about, Hey, I read your book and it was great. And one of those people has now we've developed, it started as I bought your book and I read it. It was great to now I'm line editing for her and we're best friends and we talk all the time and um, (laughs) we talk like business ventures and maybe co-authoring and all the madness. So um, it is, I think it's starting with realizing it's a really big pond, but kind of waiting it out until you find like the people you really connect with Mm -hmm. and to be able to have those closer ones to really feel like a strong sense of community with small, a smaller group within the big community. This is, so this, I have like so many questions <laughs> about this because I, I but like you, uh, um, authors are always seeking other, you know, friends or uh, authors to get ideas from and kind of partner with to help out in various settings. But like you said, it's a really big pond and there's just a lot of people and identifying the right people can be tricky. But I think the hardest part, at mm-hmm. least for me, is knowing which groups and which methods matter, right? Because I, I'm on TikTok, Instagram, I know you are as well. Then I'm, I'm part of some Facebook groups. There's some discords that I'm a part of. And mm-hmm. admittedly, it's just like, I don't know where to start. Right? Like, there's just like so many messages, just so much noise, not in a negative way, just mm-hmm. so many channels and things to look for. It's just like, I don't even know where to start. So oftentimes, my brain is just like, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> so I just got to like back off. Right. Like, I don't it's, really know where to focus. Oh, for sure. Because there's just so many exactly. places. Mm-hmm. So from you, like when, how did you get started? I mean, how did you feel out? Well, this is what was right for me. And this is how I know. And this is where I've identified these people that I can jive with, so to speak. So my, my closest friends will not be offended because I've told them this before that I did partially buy their books and read them before, like really seeking out, like trying to be closer with them so that I knew that like, they knew what they were doing. (laughs) I think that's (laughs) fair. Yeah. That's totally fair. Um, I read their books so that I could verify like, Oh, like they know what they're doing. They're good writers. Um, I think it would be really unfortunate to befriend someone and especially get to a closer level of friendship and talking more and then realize, Oh, I don't like what you write. (laughs) And it might not be that they're bad. It's just not what you like, you know? So, um, so I did kind of, what's the word, um, to like check out someone before I know words. I'm an author. I don't know the word. I, I Anyways, don't know words. I, I don't know why people assume. I that. kind of screened them. <laughs> I kind of screened them by reading yeah. their book first. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's great. So they know that. So whatever. So it sounds like you did you almost like seek books, t- book types that were similar to your own, or were you just like any book, any genre? Like these friends that you've made, do they write similar things to you, or do they just write all sorts of things? Um, at first, yes. Yeah, so not so specifically for YA dystopian. And I do have friends who write dystopian, but uh-huh. um, that wasn't really my first thing that I zeroed in on. It was other YA authors. And so they were most more fantasy. Um, but I've always kind of lumped fantasy and sci-fi together. There's a lot of overlap and they're kind of in the same umbrella. 
Um, I agree. So, so they were, you know, fantasy books and they were YA and some of the things, you know, there's, and especially with dystopian, because dystopian isn't really a genre, it's a subgenre and mm-hmm. lots of fantasy books have dystopian elements. Yeah. So, um, you know, falling in with that felt natural to me. And um, now I feel like several of us have even kind of branched into other genres. I have one friend whose debut series was a YA fantasy um, LGBT romance. And now she's writing contemporary um, LGBT rom-coms. And we just, I like those too. And that's cool. And I've written different things and they like them too. And it's fine. We like our styles and enjoy it still. So it works out. Uh, and, and I think this is going to be different for each person because obviously when you're seeking these, these people that you're trying to um, get to know and you'll know, connect with, um, it's not necessarily like a, for the purpose only of, you know, I give you something, I scratch my back, or I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I scratch my own back all the time, but that doesn't count for anything. <laughs> um, but, you know, still, it, you, you have that like friendship level. Like, can I connect with this person on a personality level? Do I, do I relate with the work that they have? Because it's hard to talk about writing when you just can't relate with the type of writing that, that they're doing and vice versa. They're like, well, I don't read fantasy. It's like, well, that's okay. <laughs> Like, right. Well, right. I would have, have a hard time interest. For sure. I would have a hard time having a conversation with someone who's struggling writing nonfiction. Mm. Like, yeah, I would agree. I'd sit there going, I, I nod and support you and smile. And I have no idea. I have nothing to contribute to this conversation. You know? Yep. Absolutely. So um, I guess, yes. how did this change? Like when you first started, I imagine you probably didn't have a lot of connections. I didn't when I first started writing. Um, so what changes did you find in your writing, in your author career and business as you made these connections and friends? I think that for one thing, it's really great to kind of open up the doors of like what you think you can do. It's actually my Nicole Bailey is the one, the best friend one that I keep talking about. Um, okay. and she is the one who I actually made a, the first video I made. I just put in like reels or whatever on Instagram. Uh-huh. Um, I don't even know if I knew what reels were at the time. I think I just posted it as a video and she said, Oh, this is so funny. And if you're making videos anyways, go get TikTok." And I was like, I don't want a new social media mm-hmm. platform. And this was before my first book was signed or anything. And I'm going, I don't want a new social media platform. I'm too old for this. I don't want to learn something else. And she said, if you're making videos anyways, just put them on TikTok." And, uh, so I keep joking with her that I owe her my firstborn or something for telling me to get on TikTok because that has made all the difference for me is mm-hmm. now my biggest platform and where I found most of my readers. So, um, you know, that was something that a writer friend told me. And um, she also is really good about researching things. And she's always like, oh, I read this book about book marketing. And I'm like, thank you for letting me just copy off of you because Mm -hmm. I don't want to research these things. Um, But again, now I'm line editing for her. So it's this symbiotic symbiotic relationship where, you know, the things that she is great at, she shares information and helps me and the things that I'm apparently amusing or something. So she likes talking to me still. I don't know. (laughs) So far. 
at least, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure she does. That's a, that's the the thing that's so helpful is you don't realize not because I not because we as authors think we know everything. We know we don't, but at the same time, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so when you start talking to other authors, you make friends and realize their publishing experiences are vastly different than your own. You're like, wow, like I didn't even know that was an option. Right. I didn't even know that TikTok was an option. I didn't even know that um, publishing in this way or using this launch plan or something. It's just so helpful to get that insight. And the more perspectives you can gain, it's the same with anything in life. Right. The more perspectives Mm -hmm. you can gain, the better off you will be. But I think one of the biggest things, at least for me, I don't know if you feel this way as well, is how isolating it can feel being an author, which is just so hilarious. Right. Because you think, you're writing these books, you're connecting with readers that you don't even know, hopefully across the world, they're enjoying your stuff. But at the same time, you're like, I just feel alone. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. so when you make these author friends, like, oh, they experienced the same thing. They were frustrated at this point too. That's interesting, right? I'm not alone in that. Absolutely. Um, and there's so many things about the writing and author experience that people, other people just can't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's so helpful because I, at some point was before it was queried, but I had to change one of my main characters' names in Falling and Uprising, like a POV main character. Um, And I was distraught about it. And when I told my husband how upsetting it was to have to rename my main character, he was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Control fine, right? Just change it. Why this was weird, like why this was upsetting for me. Um, But, you know, but I can go to my writer friends and they'll go, oh my gosh, yeah, that sucks. Oh, but the new name is so great. And, you know, cheer squad. Um, I, at some point, it was the last time I sent my manuscript to um, the agent who ended up getting me signed. It was the third time I was sending it to her. And I kind of knew like, this is it. This is the last time I've already revised it twice for her. Um, And so I was getting ready to send it. I had was doing my final, final, final read through and I went to read it. I got stopped in the first sentence. Like, should this word be that or how or something ridiculous? Uh And I was like, and they were like, I don't think it matters. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, oh my God, I can't have a semicolon in my first paragraph. And and I just like started crying. <laughs> I was like, I can't read this book again because mm-hmm. I'm just nitpicking the stupidest little things. And they kind of, you know, like talked me off the cliff of like, it's okay. You you just read it and did edits. Like you can send it. The, these little things you're picking out are not important. They're not going to make or break you getting signed. So like just send it. And so they calmed me down. The funny thing that really, really made it really helped me with that whole little panic attack over reading my book was that my friend Nicole sent me a gif um, that said ship it and had a big ship on it, (laughs) but she didn't watch the whole thing before she sent it. So she thought she was saying ship it like it's ready to go. But the GIF actually went ship it. And then the ship itself like fell over and crashed. And it said, like, revert, revert. <laughs> so I went from freaking out to like laughing so hard. I was crying and she felt really bad about it. And I said, no, no, this is great. Thank you for telling me. Go ahead and send it. It's going to crash and burn. You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're being honest, right? Um, so we still um, fondly refer to that as GIFgate. Oh, okay. And, uh, and yeah, I, 
I still say that that's when it was cemented that we were best friends forever. <laughs> when that's she hilarious. told me that my bro was going to crash and burn. <laughs> it's like that is that's funny. And what was your initial thought when you first saw that? Did you think? Did you guess that it was a joke? At like, did you laugh right away? Oh no, like, I knew. Wait, wait a minute. I saw the beginning, and then it was like. I don't think and then I mean she's immediately sending the follow-up like, messages wait, wait, of, oh wait. my god I didn't see the end oh my god not that part not that part not that part and just, that's so funny I'm like nope you it can't be undone I already but, saw I mean, it, it happened see the thing is it's just like <laughs> I mean friends in general just in in normal life are important for anybody right because it's just you create that connection that you can just help each other understand or just how do I say it mourn I guess isn't the right word for it but it's like you know feel the same frustrations understand <laughs> each other's frustrations <laughs> and I agree spouses can be they're they're always use, helpful and there for you to listen and my wife is very similar she's like I explained this frustration having to read my book for the bajillionth time she's like I mean don't right it's like well that's not really an option <laughs> right okay <laughs> you're trying to be helpful but you just don't quite understand the pains of of authoring and publishing mm-hmm. um but yeah it's, it can be so hard to find those people to connect with so i guess for you i and this is not there's no hard and fast rule for like you can be friends with this person after five texts right but like i know, I know for some people it's hard to like create that connection and know like what what's what's the best way to communicate with people what should I expect from them and vice versa if I'm trying to create this relationship? So I guess just to help people listening understand how often are you communicating with these people? Are, are these like daily conversations that you're having or does it kind of depend on the person that you're communicating with? Um, so I'm going to need to send Nicole this link because it's just about her. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she'll appreciate um, it or not. I don't know. <laughs> she she probably, hopefully, well, it's fine. Um, <laughs> I, she, she got her birthday present from me today. So she, it's fine. Um, Make it, it was broken, but that wasn't my fault. Oh. <laughs> oh, Anyways, gosh. really off topic. Um, but um, so for example, I mean, Nicole and I talk every single day, mm-hmm. like usually kind of just a streaming conversation all day long. Like I, she's an hour ahead of me. So sometimes I wake up and I already have messages from her. I answer them whenever we both have children. So there's gaps of now no one's talking and now it's just one person talking and the other person will respond eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we talk all day, basically every day. Um, and, uh, and, but sometimes, you know, when it's a birthday or something and we do real life things occasionally, then we just kind of are like, I'm going to be I'm going to be a ghost today. Sorry. Um, the other day was my son's birthday and I, I said to her, okay, so I'm probably not going to be around, but you should be getting a FedEx package from me. Um, and she said, okay. She said, you know, wish Nathan a happy birthday and tell him, you know, you're welcome for letting him have you today. And I said, yes, yes sh- that is his birthday present. You so get mommy generous. today, but only today. <laughs> very, very generous of her. Very. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, and that's, and that's great, you know, just uh, true. I think some people kind of approach author relationships a little bit um, nervously. Like they're like, I don't know, like I, this feels weird. It's like, but it doesn't have to be weird. Like this is just a, it's just a normal friendship that you're trying to find. And sometimes it has to be digitally. So I'm curious, have you met um, Nicole in person ever or not yet? Not yet, not yet. but okay. we are both going to a conference in Vegas in November okay. and rooming together. So nice fancy you're going to jumping a fancy in hotel 
Uh, it's at Bally's. It's the uh, 20 okay. books to 50K group. I saw that. Yep. Their conference. So um, I've never been to it. I know people who have been to that conference. Um, and I know other people who are going this year too. So I'm excited to meet some other uh, famous TikTok authors <laughs> that I'm friends with in person finally um, in November there. So that should be really fun. That's really cool. I haven't been to any of those either, but someday perhaps won't pan out this year, but that's, that's all right. Maybe I'll try next year or, or whatnot, but this is, this is the tricky one because I don't think either of us are experts at necessarily making connections and, and finding people to relate to in authoring. But do you have any advice for people that do feel isolated? They're like, I, you know, I really want to connect with other authors. I just don't really know where to begin. Um, what would you recommend to these people? It's, it's putting yourself out there. And I know for most of us, authors tend to be introverted. I know. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I know. Um, I actually, people are sometimes surprised to hear this, but I am introverted, mm-hmm. but I'm a social introvert. Sure. Um, okay. When put in a social situation, I can be very social. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I'm, you know, my happy place is quiet alone in my head. Um, so I, it is hard to get out there and it is kind of hit or miss because you know you're not just gonna go say hey looking for an author bestie and the person who really you know gets you and will be suited to your personality and you'll vibe well together isn't just going to happen to see that and Mm -hmm. pop up it's um I think being active in some of those communities where you end up engaging with people more often um so that eventually, you know, I think the friendships, the closer connections just kind of float to the top of that mm-hmm. when you're doing enough of it. I feel like there's, I have like collections, I think, of like mutuals on TikTok, for example, of like there's people who like I recognize and I know who they are, mm-hmm. sort of. And then there's people who I would say, you know, oh, it would not be weird for me to direct message them that's a person I actually feel like I know who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. Cause I guess you never really know like when that happens, but you know, like you and I have never mm-hmm. spoken this much before. That's but true. I forget. At some point, <laughs> yeah, but... at some point I didn't know who you were at all. And at some point I just, I knew who you were and thought all of your content was hilarious. And at some point I realized that like, Oh yeah, he's someone that I, you know, send a DM to and send a screenshot of something Mm -hmm. to on Instagram. (laughs) Yep. Which it's the ones that float to the top. Sorry, I broke (laughs) your FYP, by the way. I somehow managed to to break your TikTok FYP and I don't know how. I wasn't sure how well that was going to show up, but it was that I was, I went to the FYP. It was your video. I watched the whole thing. I liked it, the whole thing. But then when I went to scroll, it was like, nope. (laughs) Nope. This is, this is the only video on all of TikTok now. <laughs> That's all you get. And I was like, I mean, it could be worse. There are worse uh, options. I appreciate that, but I think it could be better. <laughs> that too. Uh, but I agree with you, though. It's so interesting because same with all of the people or majority of the people I've talked to on this podcast, I forget that I haven't actually like had 
lengthy conversations with them. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Like, I feel like I've seen so much of your content and we've collaborated on comments and, you know, various social media platforms. Like, that's right. I've never talked to you before. That's fascinating. And the same thing just happened. Right? Today. That's right. We've never actually had a conversation, have we? Mm-hmm. It's just funny. It's, it's crazy, but that's, that's good, right? You know, it's, we should be grateful that technology can bring us together in this way. And you have that strength, that strength and what strong relationship with Nicole, even though you've never met with, with her in person, which I think is so cool. Um, just taking advantage of what we have and just trying to, like you said, put yourself out there. It's hard. It feels a little awkward at first, but you know, sometimes that awkward nature of it can actually help go better. Right. Cause you both realize, Oh, we're both kind of awkward. Right. You laugh right. about <laughs> it. And now we're friends, right. It just kind of happens. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's great. So you're line editing right now for someone. That's cool. I actually mostly, I mostly do developmental edits. Okay. Is actually what I normally mostly do as freelance. Um, For Nicole, I refuse to developmental edit her because I know all the spoilers of her books. So I can't do it correctly. (laughs) Um, I need to not know what's coming to be able to know you know, if it that flows. the structures that, that it's making sense and when the surprises are and everything. So mm-hmm. I cannot developmental edit her books, um, but I can line edit her. So that's where we're at now. Um, and yeah, it's funny. I was just telling her, you know, the timeline of going from like, I read your book and I loved it to, well, then she offered me like an arc of the second one. And then we got to be close enough friends that I was getting the arc way before she sent it to her arc readers. Mm-hmm. And now, haha, I get it even earlier because now I'm your editor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just, you know, a year and a half of getting her books earlier and earlier, <laughs> basically. Does she get your books early too? Sounds like. Oh, yeah. She, for sure. Oh, yeah. She's the only person who's read all of the books I've written. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Are you done with mm-hmm. the third one? Did you finish writing the manuscript for it? Um. Yep. Falling and Uprising 3 um is done it is with my agent right now for developmental edits and going to my line editor at the end of this month i'm actually self-publishing that one nice um and i also wrote a new adult fantasy book that is out on submission and i've also written a contemporary rom-com that is also with my agent for developmental edits wow that's awesome (laughs) you've been busy a little bit um, I accidentally wrote five books in two and a half years. I don't know how it happened. So that hey, that's a good thing. It's a good accident, right? Yeah. <laughs> it could be worse. It could be I accidentally forgot to publish this book and it's been written for five years. So you're on the good spectrum of the haven't accident. been haven't been on that, haven't been there yet, but you know, talk to me in five years when some of these books are still not out. Seriously, yeah, I mean you just take it as it comes. But uh, where can people find more information about you and your books if they want to buy your books? nataliecamaradabooks.com is my website, which is a, a joy to spell. So hopefully you can put a link or something. <laughs> I can put, I will put a link in the show notes for sure. Um, there's lots of double letters in there and then some that you think should be double yes. that aren't. So <laughs> yeah. Um, super convenient. I should have used a pen name, whatever. Um, <laughs> no, no, I think you know, the thing is there will be no other probably authors with the last name Camarada. Hopefully. So. Not. I don't know. I haven't Googled it yet, uh, but now I'm going to. I've seen. Um, so I think I'm the only Natalie Camerata um, in uh, in the literary world at this time. Fortunately, um, no confusion there. Um, but yeah, I've got my website has all my links, but my big platforms are TikTok and Instagram. I have a Facebook page. 
that I occasionally throw things on. <laughs> I, I think Facebook's it, it dying. Like pages for authors. I think like groups are different, but mm-hmm. I think a majority of people I've talked to like, I have a Facebook and I don't use it, but we'll still put it in the show notes just for someone. Right. Maybe there's someone it's, listening that love Facebook. So it exists. There you go. It's that, there, but uh, yeah, Instagram and TikTok are, are the bigger ones and, uh, and following authors on BookBub is great <laughs> because then you actually get notifications when their books come out and you're not uh, dependent on the algorithm to actually show you their content. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so frustrating, but we know we could have a whole conversation about that, but we're <laughs> that's a the conversation, conversation for another day. It's a monster. It's a beast in and of itself, but I appreciate you joining me today. Thank you so much. And I appreciate the insight that you've given us about connecting with other authors. Thank you. I think it's the number one writing tip that I never see on those lists is that you need writer friends. Yep, that's true. It's not talked about, but it's talked about today. So find those connections, authors. We did it. It's been done. All right, I'll talk to you later. Thank you. I hope you found that interesting and helpful. I mean, it's it's as I mentioned before in the interview, it's fascinating how isolating being an author is because you know you're sharing your books with the with so many people, with the world even, and it's a way to connect readers, connect authors, and just connect great minds because you're you know you're writing these books, but at the same time, it's so you know it's not it's impersonal. Let's just say that because you're not really talking to these readers directly for the most part, unless you're involved heavily with like social media or emailing or whatnot. But it's so essential, right? As you can hear. Natalie talk about her experience with beginning writing versus where she is now and those connections and those friends. It's just amazing what difference it makes in your goal and, you know, building your dream as an author. So um, go out there and make friends. You know, I mean, I'm making connections of my own. And part of the reason I started this podcast was to make great connections. And I've loved every person that I've talked to. I've really enjoyed learning about them, finding out what their specialties are, their their struggles, you know, positives and negatives of their experience, not only to learn for myself, but to share that experience. And I hope to maintain a lot of these connections into the future. Um, so, but it's essential, and I hope that you uh, find success in that, as all authors are trying to find. Uh, but I look forward to speaking to you next week. As usual, if you have questions uh, for me or you know want to join my podcast, feel free to contact me at authordkenner at gmail.com. Or, of course, you can contact me on TikTok, Author Dan Kenner, um, Instagram, same thing, Author Dan Kenner, and or my Facebook page. I'm a little bit slower to respond there. I apologize for that. But um, I will try and keep an eye on it. So I look forward to talking to you next week.